First, I wanted to say thank you for your time and this interview opportunity. At the beginning of interview, I would like to ask you how this idea that Emirates will have the world's largest fleet of A380s and wide-body aircraft became real. I mean, 380 comes with a great capacity, I think, that Dubai wants for us in order to be able to uh, to uh, to get to the right number, I think, that we want from both from uh, tourist side to the slot constraint that we have at Dubai Airport. The 380 was kind of a message, I think, giving in terms of putting the right capacity, consuming less slots, less movement with the constraint, again, we have at Dubai Airport. So that was addressing indirectly uh, the, the, the movement issue, uh, which was great, and the product itself. It comes with a, with a nice product, with the wow factor that always behind it. People are enjoying the, uh, the services and uh, the quietness of the onboard uh, that you get it. Um, and we put in, as part of the 380 product, I think when you look at it, the showers, the, the bar, all this kind of, I think, lift it up even, I think, from, uh, from the customer experience in terms of what they can get out of it. But for us, uh, the key thing, as I mentioned, is it was all about um, upgrading the capacity to be able to, to enter many markets uh, where we believe that many markets were going through constraint of the capacity and constraint of even uh, the stands, the slots in many airports, like sort of London Heathrow, Paris, uh, Frankfurt, uh, Asia, Bangkok was going through constraint. So we thought that the 380 is really addressing that upgauge, the, the, the more capacity under limited uh, space available. And we haven't seen many uh, airports in the world uh, investing uh, big time into the uh, developing new places or new airports even. So, 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 so for us, the 380 was more of addressing, as I mentioned, the, the slot constraint, the movement constraint, um, the demand which was increasing. Uh, we in Dubai sitting at an uh, sort of a center of the world in terms of the, the connectivity between Asia, between Europe, uh, and, and to be able to have that kind of link and that seamless uh, traffic uh, flow that was going on. Uh, again, the 380 was a really the right kind of a message in, in, in creating that six freedom hub, uh, linking the traffic that was coming in from all over the Africa, the Asia, the subcontinent, uh, and connecting with the right capacity that we wanted to, to achieve. Uh, and that definitely helped, I think, uh, Dubai helped uh, the city, uh, the, uh, with the city sitting at 145,000 rooms per night, you will not be able to fill it uh, by operating a, a single aisle aircraft, or maybe even with the double aisle uh, smaller gauge. Uh, you need an, a mega size, you need an, uh, an scale, uh, but with the right uh, economic, with the right product uh, that, that we put in, inside uh, to, to maintain that quality, the standard that that Emirates is about. Um, so I think every, all, all together, uh, it worked quite well. Uh, we were operating quite a successful 380 operation with 118 aircraft. We had part of, uh, and still we have as part of uh, Emirates uh, fleet. Uh, we almost, uh, today, we are doing 27 uh, points, but prior to COVID, uh, we covered more than 50 points of the 380 destinations. Uh, we worked quite closely with many airports to make sure that their compliance for the 380 landing, which it has its own uh, need and requirements. But, uh, but yes, it was quite a successful story when it comes to Emirates uh, 380 in terms of the deployments, in terms of the optimization of the aircraft, 
the usage uh, we were leading in the world in terms of the, the size of the order, even from the, the mobilization of this aircraft, uh, which covered quite a big number of uh, network that I mentioned uh, earlier. So, so we're happy with 380, and, and it's getting back now. We're seeing more 380 flying uh, back to the sky. We have really managed to put uh, more, almost we're getting to 50 380s uh, flying. Uh, even with the current situation we are all in, and they're operating with very high seat factor. Uh, in many places, I think, as I mentioned, 27 points already uh, been, been, uh, been deployed with the 380s, uh, likes of the main capitals we have start with, started with, likes of uh, London Heathrow, we have six 380s already operating there triple dailies into Paris, uh, Charles de Gaulle in France. Uh, we have JFK uh, with the 380s, and, and uh, we even have covered the Bangkok with the 380 Australia since uh, Sydney already resumed. We'll go with the 380 from 1 December. Uh, Jeddah, for example, which is one of the short haul we have. Uh, so we have a combination of uh, between short haul, medium haul, long haul, and ultra long haul. Uh, they're all deployed with the 380s. And, uh, and, and we're seeing uh, the demand, how it's shaping it toward the 380. Uh, when we have double dailies uh, today, when one is triple seven and one 380, uh, passenger, they opt for 380. And you see immediately a spike of booking happening. Uh, so it comes with this wow factor. It comes with uh, people go for the 380. Uh, as part of that experience you get uh, on board, which is, uh, which is amazing. And, uh, and it hasn't gone away. I mean, still people, once you land the 380 in any airport, you see uh, more and more people are uh, uh, gathering and, and taking pictures of that aircraft. And, and, and that's where I think the 380 is all, is all about. Yes, it sounds like we can draw parallels with uh, Boeing 747 and their first years when everyone was shocked about size of this plane. But then I must ask, why not to build the whole fleet on A380s? Well, for us, uh, we believe that the 380 and the 777 combination, uh, they come with the right uh, to, to create the right flexibility in terms of the deployment, uh, because many places you cannot land with the 380, where you need to have that 777, uh, different type of 777 that we have. Uh, it's a 777-300ER, and we have 777-200LRs, uh, and they come with different capacities, starting from the 300-seater, goes up to 360-seater. Uh, and then the 380 will be starting from the five, uh, we have 489-seater, and we have 517-seater. With combination of the two fleet, it gives us that kind of flexibility we want in terms of the deployments, uh, in terms of the capacity that we'll be able to enter to uh, many markets that we want to enter. And you get to that optimization. Uh, so 777 is more of like a feeder to the 380 uh, into the right uh, bank that we have, or right uh, time channel that we deploy them. Um, uh, so yes, I think you that always, I think, adds better uh, flexibility to maneuver and to deploy and get the maximum optimization from the planning and network planning uh, perspective. If I'm not mistaken, Emirates is a relatively new airline, only 36 years old, yes. Uh, of course, it's positive that in such short time, the airline has become one of the biggest players in the industry. But uh, how did you 
do during COVID-19 times. For example, in Europe we saw that major airlines like Lufthansa, Air France turned to the state uh, or to shareholders for additional help. I mean, uh, I don't think we were odd uh, or away from the challenges. Uh, it was a difficult time for all the industry, I think, uh, all airlines. It came like a shock. Uh, no one expected to be, this This could be the worst case scenario ever, I think, happened. Even more than a worst, I think, uh, that we had to bring down uh, our fleet uh, to complete uh, suspending. Uh, Dubai Airport was, uh, unfortunately, got to that uh, closure. And then we started uh, to resume the operation back from uh, starting from 20th of May uh, and, and as kind of a repatriation operation until Dubai was opened back in uh, July 2020. Uh, then when we saw the, the flow started to come in from, from two sides. Uh, what helped us during this journey was more to do with the cargo where we converted the aircraft to operate as a cargo operation. Uh, uh, and cargo generated uh, tremendous uh, load for us, revenue, and, and with excellent yield because of the demand that we have seen on the medical equipment and, and, and things related with the COVID uh, need uh, uh, with the vaccines and other stuff. Uh, so, so, so cargo was uh, a really a, a saver for us, a saver for us to, to start with and kick off with, uh, with the demand until the passenger then uh, gradually came in. Uh, and, and then they added, I think, uh, the number of passengers that required the combination of the, uh, with that demand shaping up, then we ramped up even the capacity, where today we stand almost at 55%. Uh, We're aiming it to 65% recovery to the pre-COVID uh, capacity. Uh, but, but that part of that, I think, recovery pattern that we have gone through, uh, definitely there, there was a need for government injection as well, which, uh, which was necessary to keep us going uh, with, a, with the impact was too big for us uh, to manage it. And this happened with all airlines in the world where, where government needed to stand uh, behind it. Uh, but, but overall, as we stand today, we're in cash positive. We're moving very positively in our journey uh, of recovery. We're putting more aircraft back to operation. We're seeing more easing up things in many countries in terms of the protocols and, 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 and things are getting better and better for us uh, day by day. And uh, if everything looks positive right now, can you outline when the performance uh, will be in the same numbers as it was before COVID-19? Well, I think from Emirates point of view, we're more bullish in terms of the thinking, uh, provided that uh, countries, some critical and core countries will open up faster than we anticipate. Uh, we are seeing China still uh, not yet part, part of that recovery. Many parts of Asia still, they're not yet fully back. Uh, Australia, partially they're back. Uh, and how quick we can see uh, Perth and uh, even New Zealand coming back to this uh, recommencing uh, that we'll be able to recommence our operation. We are aiming honestly for 100% recovery by next year. Uh, our goal and, and effort is all going towards uh, that quarter three or four of next financial year, we, we will get to that 100% recovery to the pre-COVID level. Um, and that's what we aim for. But again, we don't have uh, the full control over the situation. It all depends on the external factors and how things uh, will shape up for us in terms of uh, opening these countries and, 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 uh, and re remove the protocols and restrictions uh, gradually away from us. 
then definitely we're seeing demand is shaping very fast. As soon as any country uh, opening up uh, any station uh, with removing or, or minimizing the protocol, we're seeing immediately a spike of booking coming in. Show that people are desperate, they want to travel, uh, uh, they had enough of lockdown and staying at home. Uh, and, and that's where we see it. I mean, uh, that uh, as soon as things will open up, uh, the entire flow will come in and will come even stronger to the pre COVID time, even. Of course, people want to fly, and I cannot <laughs> deny it, but uh, for flying, you also need a cabin crew. Emirates crew represents more than 150 countries and speaks more than 80 different languages. How hard or easy it's to manage such team? Well, this is kind of a culture of Emirates. I mean, today Emirates uh, as an airline uh, established in a, in a in a very cosmetical sort of uh, nationalities. As you mentioned, we have over 120 nationalities coming from various countries and. And, and, and that's, I think, how even Dubai is. I mean, if you go to the city of Dubai today, you will find people coming from all over the world. Uh, it's like a United Nations city today. And, that's, and there is a harmony. People are living together in a very peace uh, manner. There is a respect uh, uh, that, that being been established. Uh, and that's how the culture of Dubai reflected to culture of Emirates. Uh, with the network that we have today, uh, which is covering 125 uh, destinations, you need to have an, uh, a nationality serving these, these different countries that we operate. We operate more than uh, 85 countries uh, in the world. And, and to be able to customize and make the, uh, uh, make the services to the standard, to the languages that they feel comfortable to as, as, as their own airline, as the national airline of that country, you have to cater to that, uh, whether to do with a crew languages or to do with a, with, a, with a meal that we offer that we customize it to that route or the newspapers and or video that we offer on board, uh, they're all customized uh, to different nationalities. And that kind of uh, the Emirates world, uh, so-called, uh, which uh, really is about uh, uh, putting all the nationalities and all the cultures together, and that's how we serve the best out of it. Uh, and we bring in the best people whom they can cater to this need uh, as a way we, we, we conduct the services, uh, whether on board or on ground or in through the contact center. Uh, it reflects that languages across the board, um, even on our online uh, booking that you need to get your booking through. We try to cater to, the, to various nationalities and various languages as well. Uh, and we customize our meals and everything to cater to that as well. So. And if you are talking about cabin crew, I must ask you this question. I think everyone in the world has seen an advertisement for Emirates where there is a flight attendant on top of the world's tallest building. Uh, inviting uh, people to use Emirates services. How this idea became real? Well, I mean, Emirates always take things uh, uh, like uh, raising the bar for itself. And, and we wanted to make uh, kind of a, a wow factor, I mean, uh, to shake up the whole uh, uh, advertising way of conducting uh, the message. And, and nothing was better than using Assembly of Dubai, the, high, the tallest uh, building in the world with Emirates cabin crew. Uh, uh, she's normally, she's not belonging or she's not working under Emirates cabin crew. She's an expert 
and doing this kind of, I mean, uh, missions and climbing the mountains, uh, which I think combination, uh, it attracted uh, or it shaked the whole world, I think. No one, even within our management, within the company, uh, we, th we thought it's, it's, a, it's, an, uh, it's a Photoshop, it's not a real one. But it was a real one and, and really it, uh, it gave a clear message about uh, the greatest show of the world, which is uh, uh, which we're trying to do now one. Uh, but before that, it was about UK was open. Uh, but I think it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's very loud and clear message was, uh, was uh, thrown out from the tallest, uh, the highest, I think, uh, part of the world, I think, which is uh, the, the, the Burj Khalifa. If we are turning to topic about cooperation and flights, in November you signed an agreement with Latvian national airline Air Baltic. Why the Baltic states are interesting uh, for you as a VO company and uh, for Middle East? I mean, today as an Emirates, uh, we were pleased to have that signing that deal with Air Baltic. Uh, definitely, the, we have seen in our part of our network uh, there is an an area that uh, we need to make more seamless in terms of the connectivity. We have seen the, the areas of Estonia's, the Latvia's, the Lithuania's, uh, uh, the Finland. It was an advocated area, the place that uh, needed to be filled uh, seamlessly. At the same time, uh, Air Baltic uh, is uh, missing some of the points in Asia, uh, which is quite popular, like of Jakarta and Bangkok. Uh, we thought that combination of this kind of a partnership to come in uh, live will definitely add huge value to both carriers in terms of the, uh, make it seamless, uh, add value from the FFP program of uh, both companies. Uh, and our relationship with Air Baltic goes back not just recently, it goes back to 2011. Uh, uh, so we have a long sort of relationship uh, together. And now since Air Baltic has uh, started the commencement of operation to Dubai back on 27th of September, I think the moment was right to have that culture uh, where we add value to uh, the network they have in the, uh, in the Baltic Sea region and we add value on the network that we have in Asia. Combination is, is a win-win for our consumer where they can get the full benefit from the two products and, and accessibility to many markets that uh, nor we have, neither we have, nor they have. So I think together, I think it's adding huge value uh, in terms of that sort of relationship. And, and, uh, and, and I'm sure it's going to be a win-win uh, finally. Maybe in future we will see some of Emirates planes at Riga Airport as well? Why not? I think it's something that we had uh, close engagement with, uh, with the government. Uh, and and uh, we, we're seeing an opportunity that something Definitely, it will be explored for the future. Uh, and I think with Air Baltic taking that lead and the way uh, to establish that market, uh, for sure, with this kind of cooperation we have with Air Baltic, it could be an opportunity for Emirates uh, to be considering in the future to be part of that uh, network, or, uh, and, and Riga will be part of uh, Emirates network in the future. Uh, why not? But I think today with Air Baltic coming to Dubai, it's, uh, it's an online operation. Uh, and then we can add more feeder from other opportunities. Uh, many people, they make go on EK online, into, as you mentioned, to Europe, uh, and then 
they connect uh, and come back from uh, Riga as an as an as an as an point. So, so you can see a lot of this kind of combination trap happening between the two, uh, where they uh, travel with them and come back from EK online or versa versa. I think uh, as a way, and that's kind of the the the, the benefit that will come in from uh, from such cooperation, where we add value and stimulate the traffic uh, in the future together, and with a kind of a relationship which is building up between the two countries uh, from strength to strength and yesterday was your national day so I think uh, congratulations for that so I think it's a lot to be done uh, and I'm sure we can add that value in the future uh, with uh, with Dubai being a, a core hub for uh, Asia Africa and you'll you're well located in, uh, in Europe as well I think combination I think we can be really adding huge value to each other as well if we talk about future, I must also ask about your plans. Uh, you have the largest fleet of wide-body aircraft in the world, but a large aircraft also means high carbon emissions. We see that the world is demanding uh, greener planes. How are you doing with this? We're working, I mean, in many angles and many initiatives uh, around the carbon emission uh, area, whether to do with initiatives on board is happening, in terms of uh, recycling of the plastic bottles that w- that we're working in, or to do with the uh, SAF uh, in terms of uh, the fuel uh, sustainability area. So, so there are many work is happening uh, across. Or there is a, we already signed with engine, uh, rose-rise engine in terms of again through the carbon emission impact that we can be reducing together with that engine. So, so we have many multiple. Uh, uh, work is going on, um, whether to do with onboard or to do with uh, with the supply chain that we're all working with. Uh, the objective is how to minimize or reduce the the, the carbon footprint uh, in terms of the impact. Uh, and, and something will be announcing it in the near future, hopefully, as well. And finally, at Dubai Aviation Show in November, we saw the 777X aircraft which presents itself as the most sustainable aircraft on market with two engines. Is there any plans for Emirates to buy this model? I mean, today we are um, we are holding a, a contract with uh, Boeing on uh, 115 uh, 9X and 8, a combination of 9X and 8X. We have already a contract with Boeing even for 35 of the 787. Uh, we even have with the uh, Airbus uh, for uh, 50, A350-900. Um, and that will take us uh, hopefully on coming 10 years to a new level of, uh, to number one, to the, the latest technologies uh, that's available out there in terms of the efficiency for the fuel, the, in terms of the dynamicness, in terms of the deployments uh, will create more flexibility for us because they come in with the much less capacity that we're holding today. Um, the 350s, for example, will come in anything between 280 to 300-seater, uh, and, and that will give us the kind of flexibility we want in terms of the fleet, starting from uh, the 270-80-seater, goes up to the 517, which is the 380, uh, and, and open up new opportunities for us. We can enter many markets, um, which is medium-sized uh, market that uh, that we can operate to today with a wide-body 777 ER and or with um, 
with 380 is difficult to enter some medium-sized uh, demand market, but with that, I think we'll we'll see Emirates even growing even further, and Dubai will be a, a more bigger mega hub uh, in the future uh, with the way we're mapping uh, the 10 years to come uh, uh, in the future as well. Does this mean that in the future we will be able to say that the world's busiest airport is Dubai International and not London Heathrow? Sure. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you very much. Thank you.